There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. Yes, Word Foolery Wednesday. It's the time of the month when author Grace Tierney brings us the fascinating and often hilarious origin stories behind words. Words we use a lot and also weird sounding words that we should use more often, I'm going to say. And this week uh, we have some festive themed Christmas words and Grace Tierney is on the line with us once again. How are you getting on, Grace? I'm very well and happy Christmas to everybody. Happy Christmas to you as well. Now, if you missed our mystery word earlier on, I think Grace dug out the rudest sounding word she possibly could. It's inspissate is the word. We're getting lots of suggestions of what this might mean. The only rule is you can't Google it and I have some books up for grabs. Now, before we get into that, we're going all festive, aren't we? So uh, we're going to start things off with Mary. Yeah, I thought that was a good one to yeah. start with. Yes. Uh, so it's a word we hardly ever say unless it's actually Christmas. So you might say happy birthday, but you're never going to say merry birthday. Uh, we only really use it when we join it up with Christmas. And it has a lovely long history. Uh, Middle English speakers used to spell it a bit differently. So it was M-I-R-I-E, which I think is Miri, perhaps. Um, and it was inherited from Mirge, uh, a pleasant, sweet or excited feeling of gladness in mm. Old English. So it wasn't just happiness. It was a bit more wider than that. Uh, and it would be applied to things such as grass, trees, uh, the entire world, music and songs, uh, which I quite like. So it wasn't just limited to Christmas back in the day. Uh, it can be traced back to a uh, proto-Germanic root word, Mergia jazz. That's my best effort, um, which actually meant short lasting. So perhaps oh. merriment was always kind of a fleeting happiness as opposed to like long term contentment. But by the mid 1300s, a person would be described as merry if they were playful or cheerful uh, and in good spirits. So the leap from that to wishing somebody to be merry at Christmas was a pretty simple one. And we're still doing it today, 700 years later. We really are. And I love that. I, I, You know, it always does kind of seem like it is fleeting, doesn't it? It goes too quick, the merriment at Christmas time. Way too quick. <laughs> it does. You're just left, out, left with the hangover. Maybe that'll be the terms <laughs> for January. Absolutely. Well, on that point, Mark and Kells has been on. Hi, Sinead. Does impassate, inspissate even, uh, refer to the state of waking up in a wet bed after consuming 10 pints of Guinness oh, the night before? Oh, no. Mark, listen, you know what I mean? There's bound to be one is that have come in with that. Uh, but thank you for your guests. <laughs> Keep them coming in. Uh, now, we've gone from merriment to those who just are not merry and not feeling Christmas at all. Uh, maybe this might be better suited to them it's bah humbug as Scrooge used to say indeed and and that's our source so uh, <clears throat> excuse me I have a couple of Scrooges in my house that oh, no. do Christmas well no they love Christmas but they don't allow it to start until the 24th oh so god try that's and very get cheerful. 
it's far too late like it's impossible but anyway so this one's for them um so if you ask most people who invented the phrase bah humbug you'll be told it's charles dickens or perhaps the muppet christmas carol yes and they would be mostly right but you wouldn't be entirely wrong to claim that dickens invented our modern perception of christmas season anyway when he wrote a christmas carol in 1843 however he didn't invent humbug and he didn't invent bah so humbug was first recorded in the 1750s as student slang for a trick or a deception, a prank, essentially. Oh. And it became very trendy at the time. Humbug was like proper, really popular word. Um, Charles wasn't born for about another 60 years after that. So he definitely wasn't responsible for the invention of humbug. By the 1820s, its meaning had altered just slightly to be a spirit of deception and sham, which is what Scrooge means when he says the entire season is humbug. He means okay. it's, it's just made up, it's pretend. Um, he might also have called it humbuggery, which yes. isn't used as much anymore, but uh, it also meant a false pretense. Now, Scrooge, of course, with a little help from Dickens, actually says, bah, humbug. So where does the bah bit come from? And no, it's not a sheep. Before <laughs> you get smart with me. I knew you were going to say that. I could hear it coming in your brain. It's not a sheep. Uh, we have the French to blame for this one. So it's an exclamation of contempt which joined English in the early 1800s from French with the same spelling B-A-H as opposed to B-A-A. Um, and it originated from Old French bah, which expresses scorn, surprise and dismay. And modern French speakers will go bah. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. And they shrug at the same time. So it's very visual. Um, but not everybody liked this French import into English. So an author called De Quincey was writing in French and English manners in the 1850s. He called it vile and claimed that thanks to the currency given to it by our own novels, it had become a way to dismiss the opinions of the person with whom you are speaking. Mm. Given that Christmas Carol had been a bestseller upon its publication seven years earlier, I think we can guess which particular novel he was blaming. <laughs> um, so Ba isn't used to refute an argument anymore in English, but it could make a comeback. And in the meantime, it's the perfect expression for anybody who lacks a bit of Christmas spirit. It is the perfect one. Love it. Thank you so much, Grace. Uh, moving on now to more merriment <laughs> with gingerbread. Do you like gingerbread? I, do. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's a- big thing in my house is the making of the gingerbread men and snowmen and shapes. It's great fun. Uh, I've never mastered a gingerbread house. They always fall asleep. Oh fall yeah. Apart. Listen, the whole thing is very, you know, tricky. I'm going to say just generally, unless you get pre-rolled out stuff, which I'm all for. <laughs> oh, listen, anything that makes Christmas simpler is yes. a good thing. Um, so anyway, if you do make gingerbread cookies or gingerbread house at Christmas, you have a fairy tale to thank for it. And Ooh. you're continuing a history which goes back 5,000 years. That's a very old Christmas word. Um, gingerbread entered the English language in the late 1200s, uh, spelled slightly differently. But at the time, the word was per, was per for preserved ginger, you know, ginger oh, in yeah. a jar. Yeah. Um, so it arrived from Old French uh, gingerbread, ginger preserve, and medieval Latin gingerbratus, gingered. By the mid 1300s, the end of the word had changed to bread for bread as the idea of sweet cakes spiced with ginger gained popularity, probably thanks to the Crusaders bringing back spices from Europe from their travels. And ginger root, however, had been used for many, many years before that in medicine and food. The plant was grown in China around 5000 years ago, where it was used in medicine and magic. Uh, Some food historians claim early recipes for gingerbread date to 2400 BC in Greece. So like even the recipe goes way back. Yeah. Yeah. 
And by the 1400s, they were gingerbread bakers guilds in Germany, which I quite like the idea of. Now, gingerbread figures, of course, are very popular as well, not just the houses. These date back to Tudor times and they were mentioned in Shakespearean plays. They were made to resemble important guests at the court of Queen Elizabeth I. So presumably you would give them a little effigy of themselves made in gingerbread. And the giving of these figures on religious feast days probably leads to the association with the feast of Christmas, although children's stories from the 1800s probably helped as well. The other story connection gives us the gingerbread house, thanks to the folktale collectors, the Brothers Grimm. When they published the tale of Hansel and Gretel, which of I'm course. sure everybody knows, yeah. they published that in 1812. And the idea of a witch's house made from bread and later gingerbread and later editions sparked the reader's imagination. And German bakers rushed out, created the houses and started a wonderful Christmas tradition. I love that. And yeah, you're so right. People do make these gingerbread houses or people buy them if they're not as as uh, uh, talented as cook as, I, as, as people would be in terms of that. So fantastic gingerbread. Uh, that's a great story, Rick garden that now something that would accompany a nice gingerbread biscuit actually was their next one port oh port can be taken with lots of things yeah. i quite i quite <laughs> like port at christmas so this one, that's why this one's in here so it's a portuguese fortified wine typically around 20 percent alcohol and it's produced in the juro valley in portugal it's sweet and often served with dessert like your gingerbread house or a cheese board it's also lovely with dark chocolate that's just a tip <laughs> <laughs> for everybody. I discovered that last year and it's lovely. Anyway, it's particularly popular at Christmas in the British Isles. So port entered English as a name for this type of wine in the 1690s as a shortening of Oporto, the city from which the wine was shipped to England. So it's literally named after where it came from. And the city itself gives its name to its own country, Portugal. So yes, all those things are connected. Uh, port wine became very popular in England around that time because they were at war with France, so they couldn't get French wine, so they looked to Portugal for substitutes. And port wine transfers well, it doesn't go off when it's being shipped. Oh, yeah. But drinking it comes with a couple of traditions. So you can see if you want to obey these this Christmas. So the bottle or decanter, if you're being very posh, should be placed to the right of the host or hostess. It is then passed between guests to the left, traveling around the table in a clockwise direction and thus ensuring that everybody gets their fair share. So that's fine. Now, in the Royal Navy, the rule was port to port, meaning you pass the ship's decanter to the left, thus keeping your sword arm free. Now, if you're already knocking back lots of port, I very much doubt you would have been much good with the sword. But this was in the days of the daily grog ration, so they did have a pretty high tolerance for booze. If, however, you're on land and your guest fails to notice that the port bottle has arrived at their seat or they're trying to sneak a little second glass, the guests on their left are allowed to ask, do you know the Bishop of Norwich to remind them? <laughs> and failing that, is your passport in order? You know, passport. Love it. Passport, which I, it's corny, <laughs> but I like it. OK, but the Bishop of Norwich thing, I had to look into that. So it originated with a man called Henry Bathurst, who was the Bishop of Norwich from 1805 to 1837. He lived to the grand old age of 93 with increasingly poor eyesight and a tendency to fall asleep towards the end of lengthy dinners. I think he lived a high life, to be honest. Yeah. As a result, the port decanter often stalled at his seat. Apparently, he had a large capacity for wine and he was suspected at times of faking his snoring to monopolise the port bottle. Oh, that's very clever. You know, watch yeah. out for the, the strange kind of uncle or aunt who might do that. The there is always day. one. You know there is. And there if is. you don't know who it is, it means it's you. 
<laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Fascinating history into port. Okay, they're all coming in. Now we have lots of different suggestions for our mystery words. So in space, am I saying this right? I am. Yes, you are. Oh, thanks be to God. Okay, so people are kind of going from, you know, people who've lost control of bodily functions. That's a general trend. Uh, somebody that would be considered in school as being a bit stupid or uh, somebody, Rosa said, uh, you know, someone that acts silly but actually is a brain box. Um, we've had Helen and Trim say uh, it means change the toddler quick. He's just inspissated all over the carpet. Uh, we also have this one. Uh, Hi Sinead, I have it. It's when I find pictures on the walls and marker and a plug in the sink with taps on flooding the toilet for the third time. My three-year-old says it was the magic man. He's <laughs> They have been inspissating. <laughs> Uh, they say uh, and this is what the, what she's saying the son is doing in this activity uh, so you look at you better put aside for a misery something tells me it's got nothing to do with any of that what we just said well, if the toddler can pronounce inspissate I think <laughs> he may be allowed away with having flooded the place just like sheer chutzpah there um, yeah I couldn't resist putting in one that had the word piss in the middle of it I'm sorry I just couldn't uh, it was too good to be true. Um, an awful lot of the time, the words I use for this are actually obsolete or archaic. This one is technically still in the dictionary. Okay. So technically, it's still in use. And yet very few of us knew what the heck it meant. So, you know, we need to uh, use our full vocabulary. I guess. Yes, we need to bring so, it back. <laughs> it is a verb and it means to make thicker or to congeal. OK, so the custard would have to be inspissated. The custard, <laughs> the gravy for Christmas dinner. That was where I was going. So ah, it okay. dates to the 1620s and it comes from a Latin verb. Oh, God, I can't say this. Spissare. Love it. Well done. To thicken. <laughs> um, and also from a word spissus, which means thick. That's very hard to say, though. I was going to say that that would be a good insult if somebody annoyed you because you could call them thick without them understanding. OK. But actually... If you're able to say it after a glass of porch, <laughs> you're doing better than me. Um, however, if you need to thicken up your gravy, you need to inspissate it. OK, so I can see where people were going with the kind of the stupid or thick kind of thing. OK, they were yeah. slightly, ever so slightly on that say on that wavelength. That is brilliant. Oh, Grace, as always. Thank you so much for all the research, the time and work you put into uh, this slot every single month. I highly appreciate it. And I'm wishing yourself and the family those Grinches that you live we're wishing them a very happy Christmas. Thank you. I'll let them know on the 24th, not before. <laughs> Thanks a million. Have a great Christmas. Grace Tierney there. Wordfoolery.wordpress.com That is her website. You've got a myriad of, of really cool, interesting books there. Words the Sea Gave Us, Words the Vikings Gave Us are the most uh, recent ones, but you've got How to Get Your Name in the Dictionary. Loads there. Ideal Christmas uh, stocking filler for people. Wordfoolery.wordpress.com We're going to put everybody into the hat who's got, had a guess for our books so we pick a winner for those books towards the end of the show. 11 to 1. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.